Hello and welcome to True Crime People and Places, the podcast where we explore the world of true crime from an academic and personal perspective. I'm Linda Sage, a criminal psychologist with over four decades of experience working with some of the most dangerous individuals in the world. This is a fairly new podcast and we are developing the systems and growing our audience. So we appreciate your support and feedback. This podcast may contain discussions of violence, murder, sexual assault and other topics related to true crime. Listener discretion is advised. If you are sensitive to these topics, please be aware that this podcast may be triggering you. If at any time you feel overwhelmed or distressed, please take a break and seek support from a mental health professional or support organisation. And a very warm welcome to the next edition of True Crime People and Places. I'm Linda Sage and today we are going to be looking at women and children who kill. It's a very emotive topic and I'm going to be giving you some information generally about it and also some of my insights about uh, having met some of the most heinous women behind bars. It's still hard for society to accept the concept of women killing and even less that children kill but although the numbers are much lower they do exist that could be the reason why uh, the media and entertainment make their names even more notorious synonymous with British female murdering uh, notoriety are Myra Hindley, Rose West, Beverly Allett and Joanna Dennehy over the years they have come to represent the most evil women but there are many more female killers in our prisons. Myra was the one that did not kill alone. She, if she had not met Ian Brady, would her life have been different? It's a huge debate that still continues. Rose, Beverly and Joanna all killed alone and many times over. That's what most intrigues people. Murder is very different to serial murder and there are still a significant number of female killers. Over 50% of female killers are over 35 years old, whereas the highest age group for male perpetrators are younger. Trying to understand these women, unravel their reasons for killing are often very complex and toxic relationships have shadowed their lives. Children who kill often bring communities to a standstill. From my youngest serial killer, Jane Fairweather, at just 15, picking his victims at random, to Kim Edwards and Lucas Markham, who were just 14 years old when they killed Kim's mum and 13-year-old sister, or uh, Sharon Carr, who is British, uh, Britain's youngest female murderer at only 12 years old. Of course, this uh, section cannot be uh, forget the two boys who stand the nation with their brutal abduction, torture and murder of the two-year-old James Bulger, namely Robert Thompson and John Venerables. Both were just 10 at the time. The media do portray people in negative and positive light, but do they actually do it realistically? Not normally, though uh, now we're getting far more 
media and uh, reality shows and investigation shows on true crime that are looking at the absolute perpetrators and from the victim's viewpoint as well. So things are opening up far more than before. Um, reporting was very typically one-sided. Without a doubt, the press do sensationalise crime and especially women in crime. So it is fascinating for people to realise what other humans are actually capable of. So society are fascinated by women and often because they're often seen as innocent and fragile, um, perhaps uh, dependable and can commit such heinous acts is a horrible thing for people to think about and in murder investigation this simply um, was put to one side for an awful long time but uh, this day and age uh, a perpetrator can come in many shapes and forms so most murders are committed by women are due to greed jealousy self-defense revenge and uh, psychopathy as well so prior to World War I, most female killers used poison and went undetected for years, mainly because the governing uh, male society did not think they were capable or intelligent enough to kill. Throughout history, female murderers have been considered a rare and unique breed of criminal. When the crimes are especially heinous and against perceived female norms, the court system media and public came down extremely hard on these unnatural and doubly deviant criminals. Myra Hindley dubbed the most evil woman in Britain because she showed no remorse, she did not shed a tear in court. There was, uh, there was, and still is, all the years after she has been convicted that society has a huge interest in her life. According to a publication in 1982, um, Rafa and Stanko, they identified six images of women that influence how they are perceived in both society and in the criminal justice system. So, porn of biology, in which women are viewed as gripped by biological forces beyond their control. Impulsive and non-analytical, in which women seemingly act intuitively and illogically. Passive and weak, in which women are seen as easy prey for victimisation and compliant accomplices. Impressionable and need of protection, in which women are viewed as gullible and easily led astray. Active women as, uh, as masculine in which women who break stereotypical passive roles as deviant and are likely to be criminal and also like to be viewed as uh, lesbian. Pure evil it, uh, suggests that it's worse for women to be a criminal than a man because women are breaking out both law-abiding boundaries and stereotypical gender role boundaries. Serial killers are also a different breed of criminal. Since World War II, there have only been three female uh, serial killers caught in the UK. Myra Hinley, Rose West and Joanna Dunahay. This is why they are so intensely scrutinised by the media, society and the entertainment world. I never knew any of these women before they were incarcerated. Without a doubt, their crimes are heinous. But behind bars, across a the table, they are 
just women with strengths and weaknesses, tempers, tears and traumas like everybody else. Myra Hinley always believed that she was going to get out. Rose West has been um, quite compliant with, within the system, but she still hides behind her uh, denial and, and uh, negative role, even though it was proved that she did kill on her own while uh, um, Fred was still in prison on um, vehicle charges. So the her first kill was alone and short, uh, deemed totally that she was involved with everything else. Joanna Donahay, coming back to those uh, six uh, classes, she most certainly is the only woman that basically has so far has taken on the masculine role, and she was the, the leader. She had males that worked with her, but she really took the, the lead. But I'm going to go back a little bit here to uh, Myra because uh, I first met her um, in um, Cook of Wood. She, uh, she had been behind bars quite a long time. But uh, it was said that a lot of the, her uh, influence came from her early years. But Myra, in fact, was quite um, a shy, uh, reluctant uh, girl when she was, she was young. She, um, she actually went to live with her grandmother because uh, her parents, after the war, her father came home and her mother obviously then got pregnant with uh, a younger child. And Myra went to live with her grandmother. Now, a lot of people have said that the brutality of her father, but in her eyes, in a lot of ways, she actually got the better of the deal because her, her grandma was quite indulgent and she looked after well as she got older when she wanted to skip school uh, she could and um but she also had quite a, a strong bond with her her sister and also in the time that she was growing up she was roman catholic and uh, she actually before she met ian um Brady, she was thinking about actually uh, taking orders as uh, as uh, within the Catholic uh, orders there, because uh, when she was about I think thirteen years old, she um, a friend of hers died and uh, he drowned, uh, Michael Higgins, and she always took the belief that if she'd been there, because Myra was a very strong swimmer, if she'd been there that he would never have drowned. And after that, she she went a little bit totally this way to religion, but she dropped out of school. And although she was quite um, an okay student and she, could, and she could have come away with some exams, she left school with nothing because she'd gone incredibly towards the uh, church and she believed deeply in God. So when meeting Ian Brady, who was completely the opposite and had absolutely no time for religion and God uh, at all. She, when she first saw him, she always said that the first thing that appealed about her was that he had clean hands because all the men that she knew in her life always had dirty, uh, unkept hands. And the fact that he looked after his hands and uh, he was uh, well-dressed, this was something that really caught her eye. 
And Myra was really smitten with Ian long before Ian was smitten with, with Myra. Uh, in fact, it took him a year, almost a year. Uh, they met in the January and it was right round to the Christmas uh, party of, of uh, that year that um, it took for them to actually go out on a, on a date. And in that time, Myra had taken to, because uh, she was dark haired by, um, by nature, so she, this is where she started looking more Germanic for, for him. So she would wear the mini skirts and high heel black boots and uh, the waistcoats and she dyed her hair uh, very white blonde. This was all for him and still he ignored her right, right through to within the time of the party. So the fascination with him deepened, but he was incredibly well read and he would share books with her. And because she wanted to impress him, that she was actually taking on that um, lifestyle, those beliefs, because she wanted to impress him. So the, you know, the mugshot that she's known for, uh, I never actually knew her like that because she was never with the blonde hair in the prison. She was always dark hair. And you know, she was incredibly manipulative because even when she was in um, Holloway prison, um, she had um, an affair with uh, one of the, the prison officers there that again had, had uh, almost become a nun. So she forged these relationships that she could actually manipulate them. And then uh, they forged together this escape plan for, for Myra, uh, but it didn't work. And uh, so she ended up being moved. In Cook and Woods, she really took the uh, lifestyle of, of, of getting back into the picture because she thought that Ian was going to start giving information out about where other bodies were uh, buried. So this is why she, then decided to part, uh, partake with some of the um, law enforcement and reporters to go back to the scene and say that you know they would try and find somewhere but she really didn't um, be any help for that so the accounts of the, the murders varied from both Myra and Ian uh, but the facts are that, that they've discussed what was going on. They were both part of it. And to my mind that Myra, even though she started out as perhaps the, the student, as time went on, she most definitely became able to think and work for herself. And you know, once she was in prison, then she was incredibly hugely manipulative to people around her. She had a, um, a surrounding that really thought uh, she was that notorious and she played on this in incredibly as well. So it's very important to realize that uh, you know, Myra's not the um, hard done by female that she liked to, to think about. So Ro um, her and Rose actually, they came together uh, when they uh, when she was moved up to um, Rose was moved up to County Dublin because uh, Myra was already up there, and it said that um, there was definitely a relationship drawn up between the two. Rose um, had had a traumatic 
uh, childhood. She was in denial about this. It was. It's still very controversial whether her first child was actually uh, Fred's child or, her, in fact, her father's. So this is a, an, an ongoing issue as well. But there is no doubt about it that she was absolutely traumatised and meeting up with Fred, who was also deviant, because Myra was dubbed the most uh, evil woman in Britain. Rose most certainly is the most deviant Um now she looks like a little old granny she's very much overweight she likes to bake and knit and um she keeps herself quiet to herself she also likes to keep this air of that she was not involved and she didn't know what was going on but um as she was convicted for all of the uh, murders then i'm quite sure that she's taken an awful lot of uh secrets along with her just the same as Myra did you know and neither one of them wanted to open up and uh, talk about that so it was secrecy between the two both of them um, did share um, quite traumatic relationships and, and childhoods in, in that respect but then on the other hand when they got together and this relationship you know Rose never has said what went wrong with the relationship, but the only thing she's ever said was that um, Myra was incredibly manipulative. And I think most people that have come into contact with her will probably say the same. You know, Ian Brady, from the day he was arrested, accepted the fact that that was it, he wasn't going to get out, and he was very easy with that. He could be very awkward, he could be difficult, but Myra believed right uh, right through the uh, her sentence that she would get out. She, she really believed that probably right up until she died. Rose West has um, sort of morphed herself into um, the beliefs or into the the safety net of you know it, it wasn't me and uh, this is what she tries to help but you know, her younger life you know just at the age of 17 she was on her own with uh, a, a baby and two young children which were Fred's previous uh, from previous uh, relationship uh, or marriage so she had a lot on her own plate as well. And then the, the, uh, obviously working as a prostitute and things like this, it's really difficult in the respect that they, what pulls them together because the, they are different, but there's similarities there. Joanna Denahay, on the other hand, um, did have a really good uh, home life, very much loved, but she went uh, off the, the rails as a young teenager. She liked to drink, she liked to be defiant, but once she got into drugs and um, she was a mother quite early on, and uh, I don't think it was what she ever really wanted to be. But out of the three, she is most definitely the most volatile, the mo most um, violent 
of all. In fact, uh, Rose West was moved from Camperdown to um, Newhall Prison because when Joanna Donahue uh, arrived there, she was uh, made threats about uh, killing uh, Rose West and they took it that seriously that even though Rose had been there, resident for a very long time, they moved her. So uh, it was a, a threat that was taken very, very seriously. People in general don't want to think of women as killers, uh, let alone the children. And unfortunately, we are seeing it more and more. But there are huge topics here that we can go back and look at more. And uh, I will break them down and look at uh, individual cases as well. Hopefully, we're going to be getting to people to uh, come and uh, discuss their insights as well. But for me, these three ladies or females, should I say, rather than ladies, have had a notorious mark on our British criminal fraternity you know, with the lasting effects that they've had for so many people in their lives as well as their own. Hopefully you will join me for the next time. Don't forget, uh, we are fairly new on this. Please leave us your thoughts and your comments and I look forward to be, being back with you next time so for now take care thank you for listening to true crime people and places if you've enjoyed this episode please subscribe and leave a review and if you have any suggestions for future topics please let us know see you next time